Yes. Welcome to Expert Views on ADR Eva, a podcast about simplifying the traditional African method of settling disputes for the appropriate dispute resolution ADR in a bid to attract more users to settle their disputes or conflicts with mediation, ombuds, collaborative law, arbitration, restorative justice, negotiation, conciliation, and of course, early neutral evaluation. My name is Chinwe Ibunike, the host of Expert Views on ADR Eva video podcast show. I'm delighted to welcome Susan Gottrell, Esquire, to the EVA show. She is a nationally recognized top family law attorney and mediator with over 32 years of experience. Susan is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Divorce and Beyond Podcast, and the Make Money Mediating Podcast. She currently serves as the vice chair of the American Bar Association section of Dispo Resolution, and the chair of the section in the 2024 to 2025 year. Susan wears many hats, so I've left the link to her profile below. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you for having me. Such an honor having you. Sorry, I, I, you know, I was trying to get the recording button and all that. So. Yeah. All right, so without further ado, um, the first question is, um, what is family mediation and its role in conflict resolution? Yeah, such a good place to start and, and one that's very close to my heart as a family law practitioner now for 32 or so years. Um, really, family law mediation provides families with an alternative to the traditional litigation process. It, it provides... Mm -hmm a couple going through a divorce or a separation or really any family law conflict or issue um, to meet with a neutral who's there to support both of them in trying to find not the best way for one of them, sort of that win-lose proposition of litigation and more of a, what we call the third way in dispute resolution to find the path that gives both of them as much of what they desire as possible. You know, mm -hmm. and if they have children, because that's a, a sort of the third arm of a family law case is, although in the room, in the mediation, we may have a husband and wife or husband and husband and wife and wife, but, you know, we just have the married couple, but they ha often have children and extended family that need to be considered. And in a mediation process, they can be very, you know, very much a part of the decision making. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you so very much. So, is there any measurable um difference um between the cost and time frame for settling um their family mediation and when compared to litigation and even the normal the general mediation as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean. Yeah vast differences in most cases, you know, all I can do is generalize, but I can tell you, I have been a family law litigator. So I know very well, at least what my cases would cost on average. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've been a family law mediator. So I know what those cost. And then I work with, as a consultant, I work with many, many mediators who do civil mediation um, or other types of mediation. So I have a, a broad grasp of that cost as well. And in general, mediation is just much less expensive, it's much less stressful, and it it operates on a much speedier 
uh, timeline, time frame, because, you know, for a variety of reasons. One, I'll start with the time. You are now just working with the professionals and the parties to schedule, to move things forward, to make decisions. You're not waiting on a court system that's overburdened with too many cases. Um, so everything just moves on a much more expedient timeline. Um, and because it's a cooperative process, it's a collaborative process mediation, um, it also tends to just be less adversarial. So it doesn't add to the stress the same way that litigation can, because it sort of litigation elevates that conflict cycle. You know, you go into a courtroom to try and beat the other guy, you are immediately then getting them to come back and try and beat you, right? It just builds yeah. on itself. And because of those two things, shorter, faster, less stressful, less adversarial, less need for time in court, it's much less expensive, okay. much, much less expensive. So, you know, I can tell you the average divorce litigation case in the in the United States anyway, yeah. uh, averages about $25,000 per person. So per party. So, and that's, you know, for the cost of the litigated case, whereas it's closer to 6,000 to $8,000 for a mediated divorce. Now, of course, those are averages and they can go yeah. higher or be lower, but yeah. you can see it's significant. Yeah. So how about the um, time, time frame, you know, because I know mediation in Nigeria, the general one could take a day or two days or maybe a week, you know. Um, but when it when um, how many days could it take for one to settle um, via family mediation? So it depends on in the in the U.S. We operate quite often in family mediation on a sequential okay. meeting basis, meaning we don't do it all in one day, okay. mainly because in a family law case we don't have one or two decisions that need to be made. We have sometimes hundreds of, of decisions yeah. and agreements, right? Because it's yeah. a very complicated family structure and yeah. it's all of their financial issues and yeah. all of their child issues and all of that has to come together. So usually we will work in two hour increments or so over some set period of time, but, I, but that is usually six months or less. Um, as opposed to say a litigated case, which can go on for a year or more. Year or more yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for that. So um, what are the differences and similarities between the general mediation and um, family mediation? Yeah, great question. And they are very different. They really yeah. are. They've sort of gone down two different paths. Um, and in some ways, maybe that's just a function of the type of matter that that's being dealt with in a family matter. We're doing dealing with two people who not only only know each other very, very well, but they also, in many cases, have to continue to have a relationship. Right. They are going to maybe not be a married couple anymore, but in a large number of our cases, in some way, especially if they're parents, they will continue to have a relationship. So in family mediation, we tend to work all together to try and start changing some of the difficult dynamics that that couple couple might be having in their communication styles, in their parenting with each other, in their ability to work together so that when they get through the process, 
something has shifted and changed so that they can go forward in a better way, right? So we work together. They are often right there in the room together or on the screen together. Yeah. In commercial or civil mediation, the trend at least is very much to keep everybody separate and apart. And the mediator goes back and forth. I call it shuttle diplomacy. The mediator, I remember when I used to do mediation like that, you know, I'd be all dressed up in my high heels, running down the hallway to one room and then back down the hallway to the other room. Now I do it more like this. Um, so I don't have to run around in high heels anymore. But the idea being that the relationship isn't as important and resolving the dispute is. So there's a thought that by having people together, it raises the emotional content. So by keeping them apart, it lowers the emotional content. I'll be honest, I don't know if that's true, but that's the thinking. Okay, thank you so very much. I think I have to take you back to the last question. Um, not that the second to the last question. Um, I didn't get um how many days um to the parties could settle um disputes via the general mediation in the US. I think you 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 mentioned um for family mediation, but not the general mediation. Thank you. Yes, and that's a that's a good point. Thank you for, for taking us back. So that varies very much, right? Okay. Depending on how prepared the couple is. Um, how emotionally capable they are of making decisions. Sometimes people don't have very complicated issues, but they're very emotional mm. in the divorce process and that can slow things down. But in general, um, it can take maybe three to five two-hour sessions to get through all of the issues. I can tell you I've had them go faster and I've had them go much longer, yeah. but- if people have done some of the um, work to get those emotions under control and also do a little work, I always advise, you know, having a very good divorce coach and yeah. having a good financial advisor involved yeah. because they help people actually then get into the mediation process and they're ready to make some agreements. They're ready to make decisions. Whereas okay. if they don't have that support out outside of the mediation process, yeah. they often come in and have to do all of that processing in the mediation. It just slows things down. Okay. Okay. So it could take a day or two days or... Yeah, it could take... I mean, if you were doing just... I've had couples come in and we start in the morning and we just stay yeah. mm -hmm. in the process all day until done. Oh. I, I, that certainly could be done. Okay easier on the people emotionally is to spread it out a little bit over maybe two, three, four days Please. Okay. All and right. not go all day. It's exhausting. And yeah. what we don't want, yeah. just understand what we don't want is people making agreements out of emotional fatigue mm. because then they tend to regret yeah. those and they tend to renege. And that actually causes more problems because now the other party says, but you agreed. And now you're dis now yeah. you're saying you don't, you're taking it back. So I don't want that. So I find it better to give them time to process, mm -hmm. but certainly you can do it in one day. One day. All right. Thank you so very much. So um, can domestic violence um, be mediated? Domestic violence cases are, or domestic abuse, you know, which goes beyond even domestic violence are yeah. tricky cases, but I would say, yes, they can be 
mediated. And in many cases, that's actually a benefit to the victim of the abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we know is that abusers will at times use the legal process itself as a weapon, as a further tool of abuse of the victim. Um, And unfortunately, it's very hard for the legal system to manage that. So in some ways, a properly supported domestic abuse victim is better supported in a mediation process, but they do need to have support. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a victim's advocate, having a good attorney, and having perhaps their own support person who can help them participate in that process is very important. They also need a mediator who understands what they're dealing with. Yeah. And they need to do it in a safe environment. I I suggest doing it on, you know, virtually. I, I suggest doing it on Zoom, uh, not where the parties are in the same location. All right. Thank you so very much. So what are the psychological impacts of um, power imbalances um, in family me- mediation? Yeah, this is something we see very, very commonly. I would say almost every single relationship has over time developed imbalances in certain ways, right? You know, just, yeah. and, and it can be as, an, as um, I'm not going to call it innocuous, but it can be like in a very traditional framework, you might see the breadwinner man in the relationship being more powerful when it comes to the finances of the couple. And you may see the stay-at-home mother, and I'm being very traditional, gender traditional, but just to get my point across, but you could see the mother being very powerful in the child raising and decision-making dynamic. So we can have that end of this all the way up to what we were just talking about, which would be a domestic abuse situation where we see coercive control and, and that dynamic. The, the key to any of those, mediating any of those cases, or at least one of the most important factors, I think is having a mediator who is well-educated in the dynamics of what is happening. Because some of it can be such a subtle undercurrent that an, a mediator who's not well-versed in what's happening might not even notice or or sense that imbalance. And, and it means when there is that power imbalance, that perhaps the parties aren't operating on an equal playing field, right? And so there are things that we know we can do to make it more equal, but we have to recognize the problem first. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you so very much. Um, so what about the, what about um, prenuptial and postnuptial agreements? Um, Are they legally binding, you know, and what, you know, can you explain more what it is all about? Because I know um, um, in Africa and um, in Nigeria, where I'm originally from, it's not really um, that um, popular. Or would I say people don't really, you know, um, go for go for prenuptial, um, prenup or prenuptial um, agreements. So can you just sort of um, expand on it? Yes. And it's, it's really an important topic, um, sort of in that empowerment range. So many people don't realize that when they get married, 
we're, we're always thinking about the hearts and flowers and the big white dress or whatever those things. What people are not realizing is they're also entering into a legal relationship that comes with rights and responsibilities, obligations. And what a prenuptial agreement, a, an agreement entered into before marriage does is allows people to say, if this marriage ends in divorce, we're going to predetermine what our rights and responsibilities are to each other rather than go with what the default law says. Um, so there's two things to that, right? You need to be informed as to what the default laws are. And then you need to have a discussion and come to agreements with your in intended spouse yes. as to what you might like to vary. Um, so it's not just many people think of them as a way for a wealthier spouse to protect their wealth from a, uh, a less ad advantaged yeah. spouse. There are a variety of different situations. And we're seeing, at least in the U.S., because millennials and younger are getting married later in life, much later than previous generations, yeah. both of the parties often have assets that they wish to protect. We also are seeing a large rise in second and third marriages where we not only have assets to protect or to determine what their outcome should be, but we yeah. have families from prior relationships. Yeah. So a prenuptial agreement is really an agreement that lets the couple you know, predetermine what a divorce or the death of one of them might look like. Yeah. A postnuptial agreement, which you also mentioned, is very different um, agreement and is treated, they're both enforceable, but they are treated differently, at least in the yeah. U.S. court. Yeah. It's a prenuptial agreement. The parties are sort of considered to be on equal footing yeah. at going into it. In a postnuptial agreement, meaning the parties are now married, so those rights and responsibilities are already in place now, the legal ones, yeah. and now they want to change things. Yeah. Now they want a different agreement. Um, and that can be done. One one thing that's becoming a trend here in the U.S., um, which I think is a positive for women, is when women are making the decision to be a stay-at-home parent and giving up an income stream or a career, couples are entering into post-nuptial agreements that protect them financially in the event of a divorce. And, and so that can, because a lot of women, we, we still see a lot of women who have given up their ability to earn, who then get divorced after being out of the workforce for 10, 15 years, yeah. who don't have the ability to then jump back into the workforce and make money like they would have if they yeah. hadn't interrupted their career. Yeah, true. Thank you so very much. So what is your advice for potential users and people um, intending to pursue a career in family mediation? You know, so my first would be do consider family mediation. If you are going into any sort of, and, and really it's appropriate in almost any case, it doesn't have to be a divorce. It can be a paternity situation, a parenting plan, a post-dissolution issue, a change of support, but consider mediation, I would say before any other avenue, because for all those reasons we talked about and many more, it's faster it's less stressful and less um, uh, 
controlling and, and yeah. um, combative yeah. and it, it has better outcomes for people. It allows you to come out on the other side with a win-win agreement, not a win-lose agreement. So my number one, you know, a bit of advice is always consider it first, not litigation. Okay, thank you so very much. So, um, Susan, your law firm offers a mediation training. Um, can you expand on that, please? Yes, um, I partnered back in 2020 with Woody, uh, Forrest Woody Mostyn, who's one of the really the the founding members of family mediation. He started doing family mediation uh, three, four decades ago. And Woody and I do online trainings. Uh, we started during COVID and we help um, professionals become family mediators. We do a divorce and family mediation. Yeah. We do collaborative trainings. We do advanced trainings. But our goal is to help professionals become skilled mediators to help families. And we work with people, our trainings are open to anyone anywhere in the world. We have people who beam in because we're online, mm -hmm. beam in from all over. Oh, okay. Thank you so very much. So the last question is, um, what is the future of international legal research and their podcasts, um, particularly on um, family mediation? I, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Um, the future of international legal research via podcasts particularly family mediation? Yeah, I, lo I love that question because you know I'm I'm a <laughs> yes. bit of a, a tech junkie myself yeah. and I'm very interested in the future um, of our profession. And one thing I would say is it's a very exciting time to be a dispute resolution professional. Yeah. Um, dispute resolution has been on the rise for, you know, the past few decades, but yeah. COVID and the pandemic really pushed us to the forefront. Yeah. People who would not have gone for arbitration mediation or some other process were forced to because there weren't other options during the pandemic and they liked it. They like the outcomes. And so they're coming back and it has raised the profile. And now we have tools such as, you know, you and I are doing this right now, virtual yeah. conferencing that has expanded the reach of mediation to almost anywhere, as long as there's a Wi-Fi connection and a cell phone. And now we're in this very exciting early phase of artificial intelligence um, and, and the benefits that will bring to us as long as it's used responsibly, which is something I'm very passionate about helping professionals do. So this is this is honestly a very, very exciting time as we go yeah. forward as dispute resolution professionals, um, as you know, and we get very excited about it in the section yeah. of dispute resolution. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Susan. This has been, of course, a masterclass, and I appreciate your insights, perspectives, and the learning you shared with us. And I believe that potential users and families um, in disputes, um, husband and wife, and extended families as well because yes. they're all included in family mediation and children yeah. yes uh, no children can opt for it um, <laughs> um would of course opt for um area whenever the need um, arises thank you so very much oh thank you for family having me i'm so pleasure. grateful yeah all right take care cheers have a lovely day thank Bye. you you too